Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is June 8th, 2023. You are not watching the CNN Clown Network. You're watching the totally independent Rubin Report. Very exciting. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Today we'll be doing a RubinReport.Locals.com community Q&A. couple stories I want to hit up top uh, before we do it. There's some interesting what would you say? There's a, there's a flavor in the air. Although if you're in New York, it's a, uh, it's a lot of burning from, uh, from Canada. Have you seen this story? We're not, we're not even going to really cover it today. I'm not even going to show you any images, uh, cause we've got a bunch of other stuff to get to, but it's really wild. What is going on? Apparently something like 9 million acres are on fire in Canada. And now all of this smoke and soot and the rest of it is going down into America, uh, and New York City yesterday was basically looking like Mad Max level air quality, and now this is going through Pennsylvania and a bunch of other states, really crazy. And of course, they're telling people to wear masks, which in this case might actually make some sense. It's really, really crazy. Maybe at some point we should grab an image of what's going on in New York. We can maybe throw that in for the, uh, for the Q&A in just a little bit. Uh, but we're going to talk a bit about more of the yes, because it is Pride Month. And as I tweeted out this morning, let's just be very clear on something. There's no such thing as the LGBT community in that the T's would like to cut the wangs off the G's and the boobs off the L's. This is a problem, problematic as the kids say. Uh, but it is Pride Month, thus the trans thing has burst forth everywhere. And as I said to you guys last week, if your genitals are still attached to you, congratulations. Uh, all right, before we get to all of that stuff, let's talk about, in oh, we've got an image of, uh, let's, real quick, I want to just hit one other story on the fly here. Uh, so, you know, we covered this the other day, that Ron DeSantis has sent 36 illegal immigrants, illegal immigrants, uh, to California. Now, California, of course, Gavin Newsom, it is a sanctuary state. His cities are sanctuary cities. Nobody is illegal. We love diversity. Diversity is our strength, all of this nonsense. We showed you the videos of these 36 people yesterday in a car partying. They're all young men. They all have nice clothes on, sunglasses. They don't look like uh, the tired and poor and the huddled masses that are supposed to be coming here. They look like people who just want to get in on the party that is America. So Gavin Newsom is now calling uh, Ron DeSantis evil and, you know, all, all the usual nonsense. And then I started thinking, you know, Gavin Newsom, he's got a lot of cash. How much is he worth? He's worth about 20 million, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he's somehow related to Nancy Pelosi. She's worth like 100 million. Somehow these people, Gavin Newsom, who is the mayor of San Francisco, governor of California, somehow he made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Okay, fine. He has a massive winery. It's called Plump Jack Winery up there in uh, Sonoma. And I was thinking maybe because, you know, we sent these 36 people from Florida. We, we're a nation. We're a state. We'll be a nation one day, probably. We're a state of law and order. So we don't want them here. We don't want illegal immigrants here. You're breaking the law by definition in the first place. Uh, but you're going to Cali. So look at this. The, this is Gavin Newsom's winery. Look at that. I mean, he's got a lot of room up there. He's got a lot of nice tables. Looks like people could even get work picking the grapes, maybe. I guess the only downside to the Gavin Newsom winery is if you look at that party down there, it looks like a lot of white people. So it might be some sort of white supremacist winery. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? 
but anyway, maybe he will send, maybe he will offer a little bit of his land and his winery to these 36 illegals. Oh, we got a picture just quick on the fly. Look what is going on in New York. Tell me this is not absolutely nuts. Do we have it? Look at this. This is yesterday in New York City. I'll, I'll talk a bit about more a bit more about this uh, when we get to the Q and A because I know there was a question or two about it. But uh, speaking of air pollution, do I have the right sponsor for today's show? And it's a new one. EnviroCleanse. Guys, if all home air purifiers are the same, then why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Why is it used in thousands of classrooms across the country and probably should be used by everyone in New York City right now? Well, here's a few reasons why. EnviroCleanse's air purifiers have patented earth mineral technology and a hospital-grade HEPA filter. They also destroy cold and flu viruses, COVID, aller uh, allergy, and flaming toxins, mold, and even more. So here's EnviroCleanse's promise to you. They guarantee you'll experience far fewer colds and allergies coupled with a better sleep at night. Don't believe them? They'll send you a free air quality monitor to test the difference in your home. Visit ekpure.com and use code Dave for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home air purification unit and a free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping. That's $150 in savings. ekpure.com code Dave ekpure.com, code Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so let's jump right into the woke, crazy story of the day on this Pride Month. Uh, you know this uh, Twitter account that I like, it's called NWokeness. They put up this image. Uh, this is really interesting to me. Uh, Megan Fox, you, you guys all know the actress, Megan Fox. She was in Transformers and can we, is, was, any, was she in anything else besides a couple of Transformers? She must've been in something else. The Roommate, I don't know that one, but let's just say she's been in some other stuff. Anyway, she's a, she's a big Hollywood star, actually. Uh, she has three sons that all dress like girls. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Now, I, I don't want to make this about these three kids, so you don't even really have to pay much attention to looking at the kids or anything like that. Uh, apparently, one of the kids, according to Megan Fox, identifies as trans. The other two are just dressing like girls. <sighs> Look. You, again, you as an adult can dress however you want. And I guess you as a parent can dress your child however you want. Not I guess, you can, you can. But is something weird going on here in society? Is there something bizarre happening in society? There is. Why is she going out of her way? First off, it would be virtually impossible, like mathematically impossible for one of her children to be trans and the other two to be, say, non-binary or, or one of these other phrases that now we all say. It's sort of like, remember uh, from a couple months back that Disney executive, when those videos leaked, those Zoom videos leaked from the Disney meetings about the diversity, equity, and inclusion thing. And that one woman said, she's like, I have a gay son and a trans daughter and a non-binary daughter and a two-spirit son. And, a, and it's like, lady, <laughs> it's just not even possible. That has far more to do with you than your kids. So what is it that Megan Fox, and I'm really not going after the kids here. I'm really not, and I'm not even going after her. I'm talking about the idea broadly. What is it that lends itself so that an actress in Hollywood wants to be out and about with their trans son, trans son, and then the two other sons dressed as girls? 
Well, we know this thing is just rampaging through society right now. In some ways, it does feel like it's getting so hysterical that it might burn out, but you know, you gotta give the devil his due and these things seem to just keep going and going and going. Anyway, yesterday, Ellen Page, well, you know her as Ellen Page. She is now known as Elliot Page, but Ellen Page was a great actress. Phoenix just told me he had a big crush on her when she was in Inception. She was also in X-Men. She was really, really great. She was cute, pretty, fun. She was in a couple other movies. She was just a great actress. Um, she now is known as Elliot Page, and I, and I believe has had all the according surgeries. Uh, she, she, he, whatever, went on The View uh, and listen to the way Joy Behar frames what's going on with the trans issue right now, especially because it's Pride Month. Uh, and then, well, just take a look. As we celebrate Pride Month, um, I guess it's not a surprise to you that Republican lawmakers across the country are, are continuing to introduce hundreds of anti-trans bills that will ban gender-affirming health care for transgender youth. I'm not sure what age they're talking about. Under 18, I think. Yes, under, under 18, 18 yeah. right? So uh, why do you think the transgender community is being attacked like this? What is that about? I mean, it's not like it's their 80% of the population. What's going on over there? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. I mean, I think, um, you know, in many ways, of course, it's a, it's a political tool. Yeah. It's to, to gain votes. It's to make people upset. It's to distract people from... Scare people. Scare people. Mm -hmm. Real yeah. issues that are happening in our society that do need to be addressed. And, um, and I think in... And there's such a uh, such an inundation of lies and misinformation. Like when you had the amazing representative uh, Zoe Zephyr on recently, oh, and when she was yeah, describing what gender affirming for affirming care for youth actually. Okay, it's not gender affirming care for youth. Once again, if you chop somebody's gender uh, genitals off, that's not affirming their gender. It's doing, uh, I would say, quite the opposite. Uh, it's worth noting that Jordan Peterson was suspended on Twitter, what, about a year ago for saying that Ellen Page or Elliot Page is a biological girl. I then was suspended on Twitter for pointing out that Jordan Peterson was suspended on Twitter for it. So that that's why this thing, it's not just about the specifics of, okay, this person dresses this way or anything else. It leaks into the rest of society related to free speech and tech and almost everything else that is going on in current events and culture and all the things that we talk about here all the time. Uh, also, did you notice, you can rewind the video if you want to see later. Or can we throw it back to it for one second? Just literally give me like five seconds of throwing back to it. What's with the little pride logo they have on there where the word pride looks like it's a Halloween logo? What, what are they, what is that? What is that? What, I don't know. Why are they celebrating this for a month, okay? It's just, it's all, you get it, you get it, you get it. Uh, but. Elliot Page, Ellen Page, whatever, is, uh, has a book out, and that's why he or she is making the rounds right now. And townhall.com uh, had an interesting op-ed on what's going on uh, with Elliot Page and diving into some of what's in the book. I thought it would be worth uh, noting this one particular point. It shouldn't come to this, but if there's one person to blame for casting doubt on alleged hate crimes, it's Jesse Smollett. I should pause for a second. We're going to get to it in a moment, uh, but in the book, Elliot Page claims that he was the victim of a hate crime in West Hollywood. 
So that's what this is referencing here. The former Empire star destroyed his career he, after he hired two Nigerian brothers to stage a fake racially motivated assault on the actor. The script for the fake crime called for the two brothers to hurl anti-gay slurs at Smollett, a member of the LGBT community, pour bleach on him, and then put a noose around his neck. With Paige, the actor recently released a memoir revealing some Hollywood gossip and the Juno's star journey from coming out as a lesbian and then transgender. Yet last year, the actor was verbally assaulted in West Hollywood and subjected to transphobic slurs. Now this is via the New York Post. Actor Elliot Page has shared he was verbally attacked and threatened by a crazed transphobic man who shouted that he was the reason I need a gun in Los Angeles last year. Page, 36, was standing on a corner in West Hollywood on his way to the Pink Dot convenience store when the enraged and hateful stranger approached him, shouting obscenities, according to the New York Times. I'm going to effing gay bash you, faggot, the man yelled, forcing the actor to bolt towards the store in fear. Employees at the Pink Dot escorted a terrified Page into the shop, but the man allegedly followed him and stood at the store's doorway. This is why I need a gun, the maniac reportedly yelled at Page through the glass door. Okay, again, a quick Google search would reveal that West Hollywood is an LGBT bastion. As some on social media noted, this story happens to tumble out when the book tour is about to commence. I'm going to effing gay bash you as an oddly specific diatribe. Page reportedly no longer feels safe in Los Angeles, which is eye-roll worthy. If a liberal feels uncomfortable in a city dominated by Democrats virtually since Kennedy was president, no place is safe. Is it a hoax? Maybe, maybe not. But there have been too many too-good-to-be-true stories on this front to take things at face value anymore. Also, there appears to be a security camera at Pink Dot. Where's the footage? Okay, so right. So look. We all know the Jesse Smollett thing turned out not only to be a hoax, but a hoax that was pushed by all of mainstream media and all of our politicians from AOC, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris. I'm sure some of them, I, I'm 99% sure, some of them still have their tweets up uh, for something that 100% turned out to be a hoax uh, while they were saying this is proof of how racist America is and everything else. Elliot Page, where's the, where's the video on his or her phone, anyone else that was there, the employees' phones, the security camera from the place. Also, West Hollywood, if you have not been there, I used to live in West Hollywood. Let, West Hollywood is the gayest place on earth. Rainbow crosswalks, there's almost no straight people, it's all gay people everywhere. And also the idea that you'd be gay bash, I'm going to gay bash you. That's what he yelled, I'm gonna gay bash you. It's so on the nose. And although during Pride Month, I, we're, I'm gonna gay bash you. It sounds, it sounds like a party in some way. Anyway, it all is just ridiculous. Also, it's worth noting that Elliot Page never reported the incident to police. Uh, so why am I bringing this all up, right? Like, it, it, because obviously Megan Fox, what she does with her kids, isn't that important to you specifically. How Elliot or Ellen Page lives isn't that important to you, except that this cultural thing then leaks through everything, right? So then it ends up on The View, and then it ends up in schools, and then next thing you know, you have to hold up that flag, which is not a flag about equality, but it is a flag with a political message that is directly counter to the American message. So that's why this stuff actually is important. So as we are 
talking about all of this stuff, we are seeing that woke Hollywood, which has been a dominant corner of American culture, is actually collapsing on itself. And I think that is also uh, part and parcel because pure secularism, secularism that is not attached to anything beneath it, something eternal and real and important, secularism on steroids, it simply does not work. And now this one is really, you're, you're really gonna find this one interesting. I was blown away when I saw this. I'm, I'm actually thrilled that I saw this. So Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawkins is uh, one of the most influential uh, atheists in the world. Uh, he's, I think he's in his probably early 70s at this point. I, I've interviewed him about five years ago at the uh, 92nd Street Y in New York City. Um, he has been a profoundly impactful thinker on the world anti-religion, pro-secularism, but really pro-atheism. And he's been radical. It's not just that he's been pro-atheism. He's been radically against religion. The woke have tried to destroy him many times. And suddenly, in his 70s now, he is finally coming around to something that I think many, uh, many of us see, whether we are devoutly religious or not. Uh, take a look at a portion of this interview he did just a few days ago. The question is, is a purely empirically, practically, in terms of the success of our societies, the peace and prosperity of the world, is conventional religion or what appears to be its successor, which are new, slightly strange ideologies that don't formally belong in the religious category, but as you say, have religious aspects, which one was will be proven to be more successful for the flourishing of the species. I guess we still don't know, but it, oh. early signs are that this new kind of religion, which thinks it's secular, has some quite major problems attached to it. Well, if you care about flourishing of the species, yes, but I care about truth. You don't care about the flourishing of the well, species? Well, I do care about it as a human being, but more, more deeply, I care about truth. So if your sense of truth would lead to the annihilation of the no, I mean, I, that, would you I, be content with I that? I would not be content with that, and, I w and I'm pretty sure it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. I mean, I think, I think that the truth actually is a genuine value. I mean, I, 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 I believe that uh, a true scientific outlook on the, on the world would actually be best for the flourishing of humankind. Now, I get it. He's a little muddled there, right? Because he thinks that somehow flourishing of the species and what he decided is truth, which is that they're no God, that they're somehow that these things are at odds with each other. But it's a real concession by him. Maybe it was a little bit by accident where he's saying that religion, if you care about the flourishing of the species, is a net positive for society. Now, again, he still, for whatever reason, thinks that that's at odds uh, with being a believer, even though everyone ends up believing in something, right? Like even for the phase that I went through as an atheist, you end up believing in something one way or another. There's something that is driving you, whether you sort of know it or not. Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris got into this many times. Uh, and Jordan would repeatedly say, Sam, you know, you, in essence, you believe in something. You're laying out what you believe to be true to me. Uh, you just don't believe that you believe in it. Something to that effect, right? Uh, now, interestingly, Jordan has had some conversations over the years with Richard Dawkins. He saw that clip. He, he wrote something interesting here, and then I want to show you a, a clip from Jordan. Uh, he said, I warned you, Richard Dawkins, about what would happen in the aftermath of the enforced death of Judeo-Christian tradition. You thought people would become more rational and that I was drunk on 
symbol. So they had talked this out, and that's the line that uh, Dawkins used on Jordan, that Jordan was drunk on symbols because he was pushing belief. He was pushing the important importance of these religious stories. Now, look, I want to be very clear about something. I am not sitting here uh, thumping the Bible, telling anyone they have to go to church every Sunday or temple every Saturday or do this or that or whatever it might be. But it is becoming increasingly obvious the more you are completely disconnected from your history and something related to belief and something related to the Judeo-Christian values that have set up Western society so we can all live these incredible lives that we're living, as frustrating as they might be at times, uh, you are gonna end up one day wanting to chop the genitals off kids. You have to worship something beyond just yourself. And uh, don't let me tell you that. How about one minute from Jordan Peterson? Do we need God to make sense of life? Um, your one minute answer begins now, Sue. Absolutely not. That will do for an answer. Okay. Do we need God to make sense of life, Jordan? Well, God is what you use to make sense of your life by definition. This is one of the things I learned from Jung. The highest value, you have a hierarchy of values. You have to. Otherwise, you can't act or you're painfully confused. You have a hierarchy of values. Whatever is at the top of that hierarchy of values serves the function of God for you. Now, it may be a God that you don't believe in or a God that you can't name, but it doesn't matter because it's God for you. And what you think about God has very little impact on how God is acting within you, whatever God it is that you happen to be, let's say, following. I want to expand on that for just a moment. Do, do you remember a clip that we showed you about a year ago? I think we played it two or three times, actually, where Jordan was on Tucker Carlson's Fox show when Tucker Carlson used to be on Fox. And they started talking about this. And Jordan said, you know, maybe it was on the Fox Nation show. I'm not sure, actually. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, Jordan was, uh, Tucker was asking Jordan about God. And Jordan said that he, when he was in his early 20s, decided to believe in truth. And that in and of itself is a leap of faith. Like that if you believe that truth in and of itself is good, there's probably no empirical evidence for that, right? Because you can lie and cheat and steal and you can attain a lot of things and you can amass power and you might get away with it. So saying, I am going to say the truth and believe in the truth for the truth's sake, that is a leap of faith. And he connected that to his belief in God. That's really what he's saying there. So when you have this hierarchy of, of ideas that are important to you, and if you put truth at the top, that is what sort of connects you to God. Now, what God is or anything else is not a, uh, it, well, we're gonna do a whole bunch more shows on this because I think it's becoming increasingly important. Um, but I think you see the difference uh, between the line of thinking of someone like Richard Dawkins, who's saying, oh, without religion, society probably won't flourish, but I really believe in truth, where Jordan's connecting those two things. If you believe in truth, in essence, that is believing in God, and then you can allow society to flourish. So there you go on that. Let's get to a little rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Uh, we are doing this on the fly, so if you want to join the community right now, we can add a question or two. Uh, feel free to jump in. Margo says, hey, Dave, uh, seeing how New York is rapidly deteriorating and the air quality is at an all-time low, isn't it time your folks put permanently moved down here? So my folks are in the suburbs. I I've been trying to get them to Florida. Uh, you know, they had a place or they have a place, sort of have a place in Sanibel Island, which was decimated by the hurricane. It's still not able to be, uh, you know, you can't live in, in the condo. Uh, the island is still a real mess. I I've been there. 
I'm still trying to figure out some ways that I can help as things come together. Uh, but they do spend some time here. I've been trying to get them down here. I'll tell you something funny. Yesterday morning, I was seeing all these pictures and videos out of New York and I, I texted my parents. I said, how's, how's the weather in the suburbs? Like, are you getting it? And my mom said, you know, it smells and it's kind of it's hazy, whatever. And I said, dad, what's going on? And he says, I'm on the train going to New York City. He was going to visit some old colleagues. He retired a couple of years ago, had the same job in New York for about 30 years. I mean, that's like, like old school stuff. He was going to visit some old colleagues on literally the day that the mayor of New York City was saying, do not be outside, do not come to the city. I said, dad, you sure you wanna go? He said he wanted to go, they had this set up. And then I texted him at the end of this day. I said, dad, how, how was it? How was the air quality, blah, blah, blah. He said it was a little overcast. Meanwhile, you look at the pictures and it's like Mad Max out there. So the, the guy's not a complainer, I guess, is the, uh, is the moral of the story. Uh, but yes, I would love to, I'd love to get my whole thing. I want everyone that I love and know and care about to move to the free state of Florida. Uh, James says, is Gavin Newsom related to Justin Trudeau? If so, can we get California to secede from the U.S. and become a Canadian province? Or is the California climate too warm to allow it to be a part of Canada? That is a good question. I don't know that they're related, but I think that they are spiritually bonded by the devil. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with California seceding. I don't know that uh, Canada would want it. And when Justin Trudeau's reign of terror is over, hopefully Canada uh, will sort, sort of turn itself around. Hopefully California will turn itself around, although I don't see that coming. Uh, anytime soon. Kerry says, did you know that uh, June 24th is International Fairy Day? Boy, this gay pride month never ends. You see what I did there? Uh, fairy as in like the fairy godmother or the fairy from Pinocchio, like that kind of fairy or, you know, like, oh my God, where am I? I did not know that. I did not know that. And we will celebrate accordingly. My birthday is June 26th. So maybe we can combine International Fairy Day. We could have like a real three-day bonanza. The 24th International Fairy Day. What can we do on the 25th? Um, we could have a, a celebration of furries. That's interesting that that's what you said. And then we could roll that right into <laughs> into my birthday. Okay. Uh, the Eurasian says, hi, Dave. Do you think that the original film, The Matrix, from 1999 would have been a total flop if it would have come out today. Interesting. Well, I'm curious why you're saying that. It is such a spectacular movie and I think still stands the, the test of time. I, I watched it again maybe a year ago. I've seen it probably a dozen times. It's so great. Um, would they have told you that somehow it was racist or any of that stuff, sure. You know, they did, they ended up doing four of those movies. Uh, I guess, I guess if anything, what you're saying is that it, would it be mistaken as a documentary? And, and that might be, and then documentaries just don't do as well as major sci-fi blockbusters, that's possible. But you know, they did the original Matrix, then they did uh, Matrix Reloaded, then they did Matrix um, Revelations, and then the last one that they released like a year ago was, um, uh, relo no, Reloaded, Revelations, and then Resurrection, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the last one was absolutely terrible. Like, like you guys were just in it for the cash. The other, the second and third ones weren't really incredible because they told you everything that they could tell you sort of out of the first Matrix. Uh, but, I, you know, I reference it all the time because it's it's got such a good 
uh, explanation for, in a sci-fi sense of what is happening with our relation to the digital world, right? And we talked yesterday about this new Apple product that's coming out where they're, you know, they want you in augmented reality, strapping this thing and living in this digital world. And that's what Ready Player One is all about. And many other sci-fi watch Black Mirror episodes are all about. But what The Matrix basically was about, beyond the cool fighting and the sunglasses and the love story and all that, was that humans will ultimately, as the digital world keeps expanding and expanding, which is happening all the time, humans ultimately, as we live in this world more, will not only know, not know that we're living in that digital world, we will ultimately be the battery. That is all we will be. We will be the battery so that the digital world can exist. It's a little bit like the machines in Terminator not needing us anymore, right? Skynet is on. And then what does Skynet want to do? It wants to get rid of the people. I should write a sci-fi movie. If I have a little time, put that in the calendar, would you? Uh, hey, he says, hey, Dave, I know there are many more gays that feel as you do that your cause has been hijacked by the T's. When do you believe they start to speak out as you and others have? What will it take to bring about that movement. Look, I do think more and more people are speaking up about it. As far as it being my cause, like, I, it's such an annoying thing. It's like, you know, the justness of equality, that everyone should be treated equal under the law, and then you make decisions around your life, you decide what type of people you wanna live around and everything else. Like, that is the beauty of living in a place like America that, that is set up to respect people's differences, right? And we've done it so freaking well. Like if we could just imagine if we just could get a little plutonium and 1.21 gigawatts of power and a DeLorean. And you know, if we could all just go back to 1995 where we had solved all of this stuff, right? We imagine if we could do that, it would be so freaking beautiful. I actually think we can get to the other side of it. And so it's partly why I've been so outspoken about some of my political feelings lately and candidates and things of that nature. Um, but I think it's very important. It is actually very important for, for whatever, there, there are literally millions of sane gays and lesbians in the United States, people that are in your community, that are in your family, that probably go to your church, synagogue, your local community center, that have kids, that are playing softball, blah, blah, blah. You may not even know that some of them are gay. It doesn't even matter. Um, but that just want to live in society like everybody else. And then came this radical thing on the back of an equal rights movement, right? It was an equal rights movement. Let these people be in the relationship they want to be in. Let them live as everybody else lives, as opposed to living a life of endless hedonism. If you don't let people be in a you know, long lasting relationships and build families and, and attain, or at least hope to attain all of the things that everyone else should want to attain as a human being, we're not going to let you do that. And then we wonder why these people all act like crazy people. So if you, if you eventually let them have that and let people normalize, it's great and beautiful. That's the, that's the promise of equality, right? But then came this radical anti-science, anti-reality movement. And that is not to denigrate the person, the 0. 0.000 person out there who has gender dysphoria, who chooses to live a certain way. Okay, you get it. Um, but, but the movement or the cause, whatever you want to call it, has been completely and utterly hijacked. Anderson Cooper should be speaking out about this. Don Lemon should be speaking out against it. Peter Thiel has, well, I'm just naming a couple gay people. Peter Thiel has spoken out against it. Douglas Murray has spoken out against it. Andy Cohen should speak out against it. It should cross political divides. Um, but we shall see.
Deborah says, what do you do with your empty bottles of tequila? Each one is a work of art. What a shame to just toss them out. I believe what you're talking about are those beautiful Clas Azul bottles, that Reposado that I'm always telling you guys about. Uh, I am working on my own tequila, as I told you. We'll have a little bit more on that. Hopefully, over, I'm hoping we can get it out maybe by uh, by the fall. That might be pushing it. It takes, takes some time, and I have to go down to Mexico, which I'll probably do in August, where we can taste some different things and really fiddle with things and all that. Uh, but those beautiful decanters that Clas Azul comes in, and there's not only the that that white and blue one is probably the one you're referring to. Their mezcal is in a beautiful sort of uh, black one with really interesting texture to do it. They have a beautiful clear one for their Plata, which is basically Blanco. They have, I mean, they have bottles that I don't have that are like $10,000 bottles that are absolutely gorgeous. They're all hand painted. I usually don't throw them out. Like if you saw how many of those I have in my garage, I've probably got about 40 of them in my garage. I don't know what we're going to do with them. David is constantly telling me, can we get rid of those things? But they do seem beautiful to me. They could be used for something. So maybe I should melt them and create something. I don't know. Do we have a, well, I would need a ceramics expert, I guess. Can I melt those? We would take the, that nice little silver bell off the top. We could do something with those, melt them and create something. I don't know. Wanda says, can we get Spotify to stop littering my Ruben report Spotify with COVID-19 info and warning banners? Uh, it's on every other episode. Do we have an image of that? We do have an image of that. So apparently I did not know this till this morning, till the guys told me about this question. And then uh, Connor sent me this image. Apparently in Spotify, all the time now, they are warning you guys about COVID-19. I suppose I'm sort of uh, an agent of misinformation or something like that. Um, I would recommend that you uh, do what you think is right and trust your own doctor if you think he's pretty decent and talk to your family about things. That would be called misinformation these days. Yeah, I mean, these things are just... They are what they are. We still get warnings on Instagram posts. We still get warnings on YouTube and everything else. It's why I started Locals. It's why Rumble is exploding right now. Uh, people just don't want this babysitting, overreaching nonsense from tech companies that don't have their best interests in mind, much like the pharmaceutical companies that don't have their best interests in mind. Uh, Prusky says, if Biden is truly running for a second term, wouldn't he have to be put on a debate stage? I'm not sure how that works. Sorry for my ignorance. No, it's not ignorance. It's a good question. Look, the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, they set the rules, right? So, so Joe Biden, as president of the United States, is head of the Democrat Party. The, the party has rules. Like there's no, there's no outside um, organization that can tell the Democrats what to do, right? The Republicans have their set of rules. The Democrats have their set of rules. Now, the DNC is deeply, deeply corrupt. We know that they cut deals with Hillary to get rid of Bernie. They really did that twice to Bernie. Um, the Republicans, you could say all the things you want about the RNC. I mentioned this the other day, but when, when Trump was going through in 2015 and ransacking the entire party, and running through Rubio and Cruz and, and Rand Paul and everybody else, the party didn't do anything to stop him from being on the debate stage or try to cut any deals to get rid of him or anything else. They let it, let it be, right? They actually let it be. Uh, you know, the RNC also doesn't have superdelegates. So when the RNC, when the Republicans vote, it's, it's voted proportionally. You get the proportion of the, uh, of the amount of vote that you got. And then you're, you're good to go, right? If you win, you win. There's nothing they can do. The Democrats have superdelegates. So the Democrat party has a mechanism in place so that if they don't like what the people did, they could actually override what the people did in a primary with superdelegates. So the entire DNC thing is, is deeply, deeply corrupt. That was a long-winded answer of saying they will never 
never put Joe Biden on stage with RFK, right? RFK is polling at about 20% if we're to believe the polls. Let's say, let's say they're roughly right. That is a significant number. That is enough of your own base to say, let's have a conversation about the future. But they're going out there and they're sending the surrogates out there to say, we will not do that. So they will not do it. And I'm telling you guys right now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Well, first off, I still don't think Joe Biden is going to have a second uh, term. I, I just can't imagine him surviving another year and a half. I don't mean, I don't mean that he will not be alive necessarily, but just with the, with the level that he seems to be breaking down and the falls and the confusion and everything else. But if, and, and God willing, Ron DeSantis is the Republican nominee, there is no way in high hell they will put Joe Biden on a debate stage. The, the difference between them will be so stark and so drastic, it will be way too obvious. Having Trump on there, Again, Trump is way sharper, blah, 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 but they are roughly the same age. It keeps us all sort of within the Overton window of, oh, this is what politics is. It's Trump or Biden. It's not that different. It's not this massive generational shift. Uh, but if it's DeSantis, it will not be Biden. They will figure out a way to make it Gavin Newsom or something to that effect because they're not going to do Kamala either. Like you just can't put past these people what they will do to uh, maintain their grip on power. Uh, Quinn says Tucker on Twitter did not take down Twitter the way DeSantis's announcement on Twitter spaces did. Is Twitter looking to expand their video footprint and is Rumble Locals looking to do any collaborations? Um, okay, so uh, uh, on the second part of that, um, perhaps, some, you know, perhaps, uh, let me just leave it at that, okay, in terms of what Rumble and, and Locals and Twitter, like there's obviously a lot going on in the video space and everything else. So let, let me just leave it at that. On the first part, you know, it's interesting. So the Twitter space, and for those of you that don't know what Twitter space is, uh, it's, the, it's the audio portion of Twitter. So you can, I could do it right now. I could start an audio, basically a, like an old school radio show. People can join my Twitter space and then I can welcome them in and chat. We're working on features like that for Rumble and Locals. Actually, we acquired Colin. Uh, just about a month ago, which is a, a company that does just that. It's something I've wanted to do with this show all the time. I would love to be doing a live call-in show with you where instead of having to talk to trolls all day who would be calling in, like if you're a subscriber, you get in, we do, it, it would be audio. Uh, so you don't have to show your face if you don't want to. And I just think it would be a fun, like old school Larry King-esque when he used to take calls or even old, just more AM radio. I just think it would be a great feature. Anyway, Twitter spaces uh, did crash the Twitter system when DeSantis did the announcement. And I, you know, I was at Twitter that day and I was talking to Elon after and he was explaining it to a lot of people. There were, there were a lot of technical reasons for it. They also have a whole bunch of problems there because their engineers, I, Elon, I think still thinks are, some of them are working against him and everything else. The Twitter video that, uh, that um, Tucker put up, do we know how many views it has now? It's, I think it's around 100 million views, something like that which is insane, right? Like when's the last time something on network television got 100 million views? But as I referenced yesterday, the question is what are they counting as a view? Is it a view if Tucker puts up a 20 minute show and you just scroll past it basically uh, on your phone, but you see it for a split second, is that a view? And you know, you may go, well, it does, well who cares what, whether it's a view or not? Well, advertisers who wanna put ads on these shows, they want, it to be a view, meaning a legitimate view. So for example, when I do ad reads on this show, the advertisers wanna make sure that my views are legitimate. They don't want somebody 
to be like, oh, Dave got a million views on this, but they only watched the first six seconds of it and the ad read wasn't until three minutes in, right? That's usually, by the way, this little insider stuff, why when whenever you watch whatever show you watch, whether you watch this show or virtually any other podcast, YouTube, Rumble type thing, it's why there's usually ad reads more to the front of the show because they know people have limited attention spans. Uh, one of the things I'm very, very proud of is our retention rate on this channel is unbelievable. Like I've discussed it even with our, our YouTube contact. Like you guys actually watch like often 80 to 90% of this show and a, and a good portion of you watch the entire way through. YouTube has very low watch times. Our watch times are exceptionally good. Like we're in the top, I think it's like 97% of watch times, which is really, really awesome. And I, I think a, a credit probably to what we're doing here. Um, anyway, there's a lot to talk about on the, on the tech side with that. They'll have to announce like, what are these views? Did, you know, if Tucker puts up a 20 minute video, did a hundred million people actually watch it? Or was it 2 million people that watched it and 98 million people that scanned past it, et cetera, et cetera. So some of that will shake out, but look, there's a lot to really answer your question in terms of rumble and locals and Twitter and everything else, there's a lot going on in this space and it's good. By the way, one other thing on the Tucker front, if you did not see this, Fox subsequently after Tucker put the show on Twitter, they are now suing him, claiming he's not allowed to do that contractually until his contract ends in 25. He's saying that's a violation of his free speech. From what I saw in the article in Axios about it, I mean, it, it does sound like Fox, unfortunately, has a good handle on what's going on here, that he contractually is just not allowed to put things on video sites or sites where his voice would be expanded in that way. I don't know that it's a First Amendment right, right? Like he can say whatever he wants privately, but he does have it in his contract that he wasn't allowed to be on these certain websites. It's shitty, but it's, it's, it's business. It kind of is what it is, but we'll see. Maybe he'll just keep doing it and fighting them and, and we'll see. Uh, Lloyd says, will you expand your staff to have, have a California dedicated reporter? Connor, you're going back to Cali. <laughs> I don't think I can send someone to Cali in good conscience. You know what I mean? Like, how could I do that? Phoenix, you're from LA. Could I send you back there? Phoenix can't even go back there. Nobody wants to go back. I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, we are figuring out some ways to expand though. And I think we'll have more on that in the fall. Uh, a couple things will be changing around probably September time. We're going to figure out some new ways to, to do some things. I'm, I'm working on some stuff, so stay tuned. But I don't think a California outpost uh, will be one. Uh, well, I guess maybe we could just hand a camera. We could maybe strap a camera to one of those zombie homeless people, like one of those fentanyl people. What if we strapped a camera to their head and they're like out there all day, and then like people, we could, it could be a 24 hour camera. You know what I'm talking about? Like these endless live streams and they're out there. It'd be kind of interesting, you know, and you're smoking crack and blah, And then, you know, <laughs> Snow Baby says, uh, would you have to pay them? How would that even work? We pay them in fentanyl, I guess. All right, figure out where we can get some, well, I know we can get fentanyl in San Francisco. All right, it's all working itself out. Hang tight. Snow Baby says, now that you two have experienced being parents and tried some different things, what is a product or item you've found invaluable uh, with your boys? What is something you feel like hasn't been as helpful or necessary or, or, or utterly disliked? Well, I'll tell you very easily, the thing that I dislike more than anything else, I cannot have electronic beeping sounds in this house. You know, you get a lot of gifts and God bless everybody and thank you everybody who got us gifts. Very happy, the boys are very happy, it's great. Both of them, by the way, are like 95th percentile in height and weight. They're huge. Like they're taking over. I, I know I'm, I'm on my way out over here. I, I, I've lost the war. 
my, my days are numbered. Um, but you know, the electronic things where you press this button and beep, 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 and ding, 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 ding. I can't deal with any of that. So we have a lot of wooden toys. Uh, we have, you know, there's some metal, metal keychain. I can deal with a little metal clanging. I cannot have beeping and whirring and buzzing and I, and also lights. I can't have red light, blue light, green light. I can't, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I never liked Simon. Remember that game, Simon? Uh, growing up, I cannot be around buzzing and dinging and all of that stuff, which is ironic because I like sci-fi movies, but I just can't have it. So we have a lot of wooden toys, rubber, plastic, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's uh, that. Um, what has been something that's been really good? Um, well, the funny thing is, I mean, I guess all parents now know this. You, you buy all this stuff for your kids or you get all this stuff and then the kids only want to play with the stuff they're not supposed to play with. So literally like they want to play with a coffee mug. Justin actually the other day, I, it was bad. I, it was on Saturday morning. Um, I was having iced coffee in the morning, but it was in a mug like this. And I'm um, sitting on the couch and I'm feeding him and his hand just whacked the mug and the coffee, iced coffee all over him. He, he got a little coffee in his mouth. I thought he was going to like wig out all day. He was actually totally fine. And he barely cried. He never cries. He's smiling constantly. Um, but they always want everything that they're not supposed to have. So like if you have a pen, they want a pen. If you have your keys, they want your keys. They're obsessed with the phone. Um, but one thing that's been really great, my parents got them, um, you know, I don't even know what you call it. It's just like one of these units that you can just kind of put them in and there's a bunch of things that they can push back and forth and put their finger in and pull and push and, and all that. And that has been very good for just like those moments where I just like can't chase him. He's always trying, Justin, especially just anywhere that you're not supposed to be. If I open up the fridge, he bolts to the fridge, like kids, it's kids, what are you going to do? Uh, Robin says, will you be interviewing Vivek and any updates on who might host the debates? I suggest Tim Pool. Well, the debates are going to be hosted by network people. I mean, the debates are network debates, so it's going to unfortunately be mostly partisan Democrats, even for the Republican debates. However, uh, Rumble is the exclusive live streamer of the Republican debates. So I will be at all of the Republican debates, including August 23rd for the first one in Milwaukee. That's the day I'll come back on the grid. So it's an abbreviated off the grid August for me this year. Um, and we will figure out ways, maybe we can get Tim Pool there, some of the other Rumble creators, and we could do post-game things. As for Vivek, you, you know, I got into a little Twitter spat with Vivek over the last couple of days. He kept repeatedly going after DeSantis in a way that I thought was unfair, claiming that he's signing hate speech laws. I made it very clear, and I tweeted the, the text of this law. It's a property rights law. We got into a little bit. I offered to do a Twitter Spaces with him uh, last night. They came back and said, he'll do your show today, except I'm doing this show right now. And I wanted it not just to be heard by my audience. I wanted it to be heard by everybody, meaning if he tweets it out and I tweet it out. Um, anyway, it is, is what it is. But I'll be happy to sit down with any of the candidates once again. And, and again, I think, I think the only way I can do this and it gets, the more I share my opinions, I suppose to a degree, it gets harder to interview people because then they sit down with me and they know my opinions. But you know, even when I sat down with Nikki Haley about a month and a half ago, um, Nikki knows that obviously I support DeSantis. I love what's going on here in Florida. My life has been enriched by all this and everything else. And I treated her exactly the same way as I would treat any other guest. It does get more complex. Like as this thing burns hotter and as we get closer to the election, it, it might get a little bit more complex to do that. As a matter of fact, I think it for sure will, uh, but I'll just, I'll just do my best. But at least I'm telling you what I think, right? As opposed to when a candidate, Republican or Democrat, goes on CNN and the, and the host pretends that they have no opinions. It's so odd that these hosts 
Jake Tapper, the rest of them. They do politics for a living. All they ever talk about is politics. But if you ask them their opinion on anything, they never tell you. So I think the best I can do is be honest about my opinions and then let the chips fall where they may. Mitchell says, have you used your big green egg as a smoker yet? What's your favorite uh, to grill slash smoke on the egg? Any tips? I love that big green egg. I will, I will definitely do something in it. We did some ribs on it uh, this past weekend. I'll, I'll do some posts in locals this weekend. Um, you know, a brisket, if you really do a brisket, right? The, the biggest brisket I did in there was like 18 pounds or something, like pretty massive. It was when I had my whole family here uh, when the kids were born. And I went overnight. I think we did it for like 13, 14 hours. You got to get up a couple of times a night. You got to spritz it. You got to wrap it, put it in a blanket. Like it's a whole bunch of stuff. Make sure the seasoning's just right. I love that big green egg. It's such a great way to cook. You smell like smoke after. I love, they call it caveman, the caveman way of searing. So normally, you know, when you're cooking in a smoker, you're using indirect heat, right? Because you want it to cook via the smoke. So what you do is, you know, you have charcoal, you've got flame, and then you put a plate, basically. It's like a ceramic plate. So the flame hits the plate and then it cooks via the smoke. But then at the end, if you're cooking a great piece of meat, whether it's a brisket or whether it's a ribeye or whatever it might be, you want to get that awesome sear, right? You want a little char on it. You want that, that flavor, that, that, that you want some burned ends. So what you do is normally what you would do is you'd remove the plate and then you would just cook it on the grate. So the flame would just go up on it like that, right? And you'd do maybe, I don't know, two minutes on each side. The caveman way of doing it, which is what I love, uh, is that you take the grate out. Now you get that flame freaking going, right? Bonfire from hell, right? And then you just take the piece of meat and you throw it right on top of the coals and it chars and it's crackling and it's smoky. I've done that many times when, when I've had the guys over for, uh, for birthdays and things. I love doing it that way. Um, some people don't cause it's a little more, then you got to put on special gloves to get your hands in there. You don't want to burn everything down. Um, but I freaking love that thing. Uh, Daniel or Danielle says, what is something that you didn't realize was terrible in California until you were in Florida and it was gone? Well, like there, there's all the obvious stuff at the time, which was all COVID related and everything else. But yeah, I say this all the time. Maybe, maybe you guys can come up with one too. But like, it really is, it was just the spirit of life that was depressing me there without really realizing it. Everything that we did in my house, even throughout COVID, we eat well, you know, we have decent means, obviously. We had good friends, we had families come visit. We were running, you know, like it was the freaking 1920s prohibition. We were running secret illegal parties. Like we never stopped, we just never stopped. I was grilling every night, we, I was doing my show from home. You know, I was lucky also because, because I had already done the home studio. Everyone does the home studio now. I was basically the first guy in at, at a real level of the home studio thing. So right when COVID happened, when everybody was just doing Zoom things on Fox and it looked like crap or on CNN or whatever, you know, I, I think that actually ended up helping my career a lot that, that six month period at the beginning of COVID because my studio looked awesome. It was awesome. It was a grade A television quality studio. So shows were more inclined to have me on because it looked right. Hopefully it had a little something to do with what I was saying, but like that, that truly was part of it to some extent. Um, so it was all good. Like what was going on in our life? We, you know, we listened to good music. Like it was now I think in some ways it was like the good old days. My life's very different now. We have kids. It's beautiful in a new way, but like it is different than, than, than it was. Um, but it was the general like depression of everybody there and fear of everybody over there. I always tell you the thing about like just walking my dog and 
people pulling their dogs the other way. And then, and then literally, I think it was, uh, I know the day that I said I was going to sell my house was September, I think 14th, 2021, because it was three or four days after the recall had failed. I got audited by the state of California and then I was done. I mean, I was sort of mentally done anyway, but that was the day I literally called my real estate agent. I said, sell the house. I just, I'm getting out of here. I literally basically said to her, I'll sell it for what I bought it for. I just have to get out of here. Um, but there was a day a little bit before that where David and I went to the supermarket together. And this was at the point where it became, we were past the point where it made sense to wear masks, but they didn't stop with the mask mandates and everything. David didn't like masks either, but he would put it on to go in. So my policy was, you know what? I'm not going to put it on to go into a supermarket or anywhere else. But if someone asks me, I will put it on. So we would walk into the store. We went into pavilions on Ventura Avenue. I'll never forget it. Security guy there. I walk in, sir, put on your mask. Okay, I put on my mask. I put it beneath my nose, but I did put it on. We were walking, picking up some groceries. Another security guy walking around the store. Sir, your mask has to be above your nose like this. So I put it above my nose. Then, and this was like, this was like the moment. We're getting eggs. We're standing in front of all of the eggs. And now I have my mask below my nose again. Another security guard. So a third security guard. Sir, you have to put your mask above your nose. I put my mask above my nose and David turned to me. And he said, you know, we don't have to go food shopping together anymore. And that was like when I was done, like done, done, done. Because I was just like, this is so insane. Like he didn't mean that out of anger to me, but it was like, he just wanted to go to a supermarket in peace and not be harassed. And he, he, he actually respected, he would always be like, you know, I respect what you're doing. It's a little annoying to be harassed when we're at the stores. Um, and some, sometimes he would actually do it too. But like, that sort of thing, um, which definitely did not, it's not to say it never happened in Florida, but that sort of thing, that overreaching control, it's, it's such a part of everything that now you see that I fight against that I, once I live here. So that would be my answer to that. Uh, we have a post-game show. If you want to get a couple more questions in, or if you want to join us at rubenreport.locals.com right now, we leave you with evil communist Justin Trudeau. And uh, we've got a uh, Friday panel extravaganza for you tomorrow. Who's on tomorrow? Uh, Liz Wheeler and Amala Epinobi will be on the show tomorrow. That's a good one. We haven't had them on for a while. Uh, see everybody else tomorrow. Post game in just a sec. I will never apologize for standing up for an LGDP, mm. uh, LGT, mm. LBT, mm. LGBTQ2 plus uh, kids' rights. <laughs>